Hi. Hi. <laughs> Long time no see. Yeah. All right, here we are, <gasps> broadcasting live from the new podcast studio <laughs> for Squidcast. I'm just joking. It's also known as Allie's Room. Anyway, regardless, I'm Kelly. I'm Brittany. <laughs> Brittany's eating a burrito. I'm eating a burrito. <laughs> She's eating a burrito. Oh, I just told Kelly I was good to start. Yeah, I'm good to go. No problem. <laughs> Good to go, no problem. Just let me take a massive bite of my burrito. Oh shit! I just my my computer screen is moving. Stand by. Oh my god. Okay, here we are. We're gonna talk, but I don't know. We'll eventually talk about uh, this episode of Bones, but I just want to check in. I'm just gonna tell everyone right now that Brittany has just informed me today that. Something's going to happen with her baby very soon, like sooner than expected. Like in two weeks, because he is measuring big. How big is big? How big is that baby? So at 35 weeks, Mm -hmm. he was six pounds, nine ounces. Okay. I'm 37 weeks now. Yes. So he would be like seven. Really? A lot. He's like almost eight pounds. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So they're inducing in two weeks. You're going to be a mama in two weeks, like planned. Two weeks. Done. Yeah. Which is crazy. My midwife is hoping like she's giving me like instructions of things I can do to like help prepare my body for labor and hopefully get the ball rolling a bit and maybe I'll go into labor earlier, but right. She wants it to be as natural as possible, but if it's not out by then they're going to make you push it out. We're doing it. Regardless. Yeah. Oh my God. That's like terrifying and exciting all at the same time. I agree. I'm excited yeah. to meet the baby kind of nervous to labor. <laughs> well, we've talked about this before, right? Like it's, um, I can't imagine like just how terrifying it would be. Yeah. It's and it's a lot of hype, obviously, leading up to it. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, what to though, say. like I feel like I'm now at that point in my pregnancy where I'm like, okay, let's just do this. I have hip pain. Yeah. I feel massive. Let's yeah. just get this done. <laughs> yeah. I think that's when it happens, eh? They just like get this freaking thing out of me. It's like so uh so uncomfortable. Exactly. And obviously he's ready to go. Wow. Like I was less than six pounds when I was born. Okay. And I'm five, seven. And I don't know how much I weigh, but you know, close to 200 pounds. And Mark and I were talking about this actually, that what size you're born doesn't necessarily indicate like how tall you'll be. Like, I'm sure it has some correlation, but. But my mother like, was tiny, right? My mom was only five feet tall and she weighed like 115. So, I mean, there's only so much she can carry, right? Oh my gosh. So you're, where's your height from then? My dad. Okay. 
My grandmother too. My mom's mom was pretty tall. She was like my height. My mom, my, I'm a lot like my grandmother that way. I inherited some from both sides. Okay. The shape of my body is my mother's. My height is my dad's. I have like both my parents' hair. Okay. Like you have I very have, nice hair. They must have great hair. Well, no, my dad had very fine hair. So my hair is really fine, but I have a lot of it. So my mom okay. gave me a lot of hair. <laughs> my dad gave me fine hair. So that's a good combo. Like little things, but I look like my dad so much like my father. It, like it's insane. <laughs> that's so cool. I don't know. It's just funny. <clears throat> you never know, what right? What have you been up to? Oh, I talked wow. about my upcoming labor. What do you but... want to know? What do you want to know? I've got, uh, I started, I told you I started selling vegan food, right? Yeah. So I was really discouraged the last couple of weeks because I've only sold like one meal, you know, like one. Oh, no. I, like I make meals for two or four. So I've only sold like one meal for two, like a couple of weeks in a row. Yeah. And then this last week I put a menu out there that so many people wanted. I was like, ah, that's good. I made a, it was a vegan shepherd's pie and mm-hmm. it's made with lentils and walnuts and mixed vegetables. And I make a really nice gravy and mashed potatoes and I make my own vegan butter. And then I serve that with braised greens and a big green salad. And then I made, and I always offer a dessert for an extra charge. Like I charge, I was charging like five bucks for the dessert. And now I charge seven because my desserts are chef's kiss. Um, so I made a vegan pumpkin pie and I, you know, I make my own pastry. I make, I roast the pumpkin, like wow. I do it all. Right. So I had a lot of orders this week and I was like, ah, I was up till 2 a.m. Thursday like getting ready for Friday delivery. And then I cooked like all morning to finish off the meals and package them and deliver them and everything. Yeah. Now, when I say I got a lot of orders, like I have a limited amount that I can actually do by myself. Yeah. Like I can't do 50 orders. I can do, let's say 10, you know? Yeah. That's still a good number though. Honey, it's great. And I made, I mean, this last week after counting all my food costs, not including my labor, obviously. And I didn't have to pay for packaging because that's all stuff I have right now, but I am going to have to start investing in packaging now because it used up a lot of my packaging this last week. I, I sold like basically six, six meals for two last week. That's amazing. And um, which means I sold 12 meals technically. And I thought I was pretty happy. I was pretty happy. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is great. And uh, this week I'm doing, uh, I have a couple orders already for this week's meal, which is a vegan lasagna, but I make the pasta myself. I make the ricotta cheese myself. I make vegan Caesar salad and I'm going to do a vegan tiramisu to go with it. So that sounds amazing. Well, it's this time of year too. I think people are like tired and it's dark outside and they want some comfort food. And that's what I yeah. mean. Very like vegan comfort food all the way, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. Good for so you. I imagined having my own little place to like make food and serve it, you know, like a little cafe yeah. or something. I had this like imagining of like serving 
like having a lunch counter and just serving this kind of stuff to people. And I think it would be be so cool. Anyway, we'll see where it goes, but I'm already moving my schedule around to sort of accommodate this cooking because it's a lot for my little kitchen. Yeah, it probably takes a lot of time. It does. Especially for making everything from scratch. Well, I don't mind that part. It's more the capacity. Like I don't have a big fridge. I don't have a big oven. I don't have all that stuff. So I have to really engineer things. (laughs) Yeah, especially if you're going to be making up to 10 orders or whatever. Yeah, I need room, man. I, I was thinking... Ultimately, I really want Greg to pour concrete in my basement so I can buy a big fridge, you know, and put that down there. And Greg's like, let's just set up another kitchen downstairs. Do it. An industrial kitchen. A commercial kitchen in my basement would be great. Then I could make pizza. I could do all kinds of things. So. Oh, my gosh. Yes. The other thing I'm doing is looking into selling pizza at that Zimsky market thing. So. Okay. Yeah. When is that market? November 20th. Ooh. That's coming up. Well, it's coming up for us, but by the time this episode airs, it'll be a long time ago. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, so I'm making ornaments and I'm going to look, talk to a dude <clears throat> to see if he'll rent me his kitchen at this church down the street. And then I just have to f- get some insurance. I got to figure out my costs and decide if it's worth it. I yeah. Think that, I think my pizza would go over really well. I think people would really like it. So for sure. We'll see. <laughs> That's so exciting. I'm just, you know what, Brittany? I'm just throwing shit against the wall. I'm just and throwing it's all sticking. The wall. <laughs> see if it sticks, you know? Everything seems to be sticking. That's awesome. Well, I just decided, like, I don't have to have this designated, defined career. I can do whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can do things that you enjoy. Exactly. Including this. Spending time yes. with you. Talking about bones. Okay. Okay. Episode 11. Woohoo! I just want you to know this is the one. This is okay. This is the one, but I'm kind of disappointed it's the one. Aww. Wow. In this episode, it's so good, so good, so good, so good. And then the ending underwhelmed me, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, the ending was a little bit uh, succinct, right? Yeah. But I do, I recognize the exact scene that I, that you had screenshot on Instagram I'm so excited and we will talk about it when we get to it oh and I commented hey let's try this to together be, yeah well let's get through it but that's also like we can skip some stuff it's not that yeah important. we can definitely skip some stuff there's a lot of filler definitely I'm putting my is my reading glasses oh they're so nice I have four different pairs this is my big uh, this one's reminding my, me of my grandmother <laughs> they look great <laughs> All right, so we're talking about Bones, season one, episode 11. What's this one called? The Woman in the Car. All right, would you like to begin? Sure, I'd love to begin. I'd Uh, love to start by talking about Dr. Brennan, Bones, being interviewed by uh, Stacey Goodyear on her novel. Mm -hmm. She is doing a TV interview. Oh, boy. (laughs) Another one. Oh, my God. We know how well these go. Yes, we do. They don't go well for those who are listening and who forgot about her other interview. Basically, Stacy's trying to get the conversation going, asking her about her book, asking her about how she juggles her careers, her two careers being a best-selling author, crime-fighting scientist. Brennan is giving her one-word answers. 
she's getting very confused. Um, <laughs> it does weird. not go very well. And Stacy gets kind of upset with her, but doesn't cuss her out or anything. Just kind of gives her a dirty look when the interview is finally over. <laughs> Booth comes in halfway through this interview, is so excited to be there. Oh is like God. gesturing at her like, you got to smile. Smile, you- Brennan. Booth's like trying to encourage her. Then he so gets funny. discouraged. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay, for example, for mm. th- just to give an example of what went so wrong, mm-hmm. there are a lot of things. But one thing, one question that they ask, the that the interviewer asked is, "Do you have any advice for budding authors out there?" And Brennan. Her advice is to, you know, first, um, you should, well, get a writing instrument. Oh, my God. And then you need an idea. Please. Wait. Kelly, is it is it the idea first or the writing the instrument? Idea? She didn't know. Pencil. Listen, has Brennan ever taught a class? Like, doesn't she know how to teach people to do anything? Like, isn't that what she does with Zach all day? It was very confusing. I don't know what happened. It was a disaster. Total disaster. And- <laughs> I, I love the interviewer at the end. She's like going, uh, segueing into the next segment. She's like, oh, we're going to talk about wicker as the new leather and is wicker bad for kids or whatever. And she's smiling at the camera. And as soon as the lights go off, she like fucking gives, sorry about my language. <laughs> she gives Brennan the hairy eyeball and like just stands up and walks away. Like she's like just a so- pure scowl. <laughs> oh my God. Not even like, thank you uh, for your time, blah, blah, blah. Just like, just up and left. And I was thinking like, no wonder Brennan's agent hates her and doesn't tell her anything about like whether she's yeah. on the bestseller list or what's happening with this person in Hollywood. She never, she's so bad at this. It's so bad. I also didn't understand. So the whole, like the interview, I'm like, okay, she's on a talk show, whatever. But then when she does, when Stacey, the interviewer, when she does say, like, is it safe for your children? I love that you know the interviewer's name. Her name is Stacey Goodyear. Okay. We're, uh, we, we were, we were joining them on Wake Up DC. Yes. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, Anyway, it's a random fact. Yeah. But I just thought it was interesting. Why is this murder novel on a, like, breakfast television like family segment right which today in 2021 i don't think would be that odd because of the no proliferation of like true crime entertainment but yeah that is weird that is weird i agree but regardless interviewer hates her next thing is like you said booth showed up during the interview and stuff and he goes up to her after the interview and he's all like she's like how did i do how did i do and he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. And she's like, like, I don't want to talk about it. So we'll just, I'll put this off. Yeah. He was like, we'll talk about <laughs> it in the car. And she oh boy. says, I just want to say this. She goes, oh, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> on the way where? On the way. Where are we, we going? On the way. And this is another situation where Brennan is surprised that Booth is here to take her to a crime scene. Like, why yes. else would he show up? Why else would he be here in this situation? Like, yeah, he's a supportive friend and partner, but uh, no. no, he's not going to watch you get an interview done. <laughs> he's going to run around and follow her around to all of her publicity no. crap. Like, he's obviously there because there's a crime that needs to be investigated, and she always acts surprised. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, why are you here? 
You want to hang out? Where are we going? <laughs> you want to hang out? You want to make out? Is that why you're here? Oh, you, you're just pushing it. I'm terrible. Me. But yeah. the other thing, and we're going to segue into this next scene because they take his car uh. to this crime scene. <laughs> Did she Uber? <laughs> the interview where's you are obsessed you're obsessed it. it drives me nuts like no i wouldn't just leave my car randomly i'd be like no i drove my car here i'm gonna drive it there Every are you gonna drive me after i want to leave the crime scene when i want to leave not okay. on your schedule david we need you on the show to explain did you drive her back to her car after this exactly <laughs> Well, we pull up to a burning, well, the wreckage of, of a burned car. At some point, it was burning. Mm-hmm. The fire department put it out. Thank you, fire department, for your service. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there was a body in the driver's seat. The license plate is gone. Mm-hmm. The VIN appears to be gone as well. FBI is involved because there appears to be a situation of a kidnapping. Yes. A child abduction. Yes. Yes. That's what they think is going on because there was like little evidence. So this, this victim in the front seat, do they know, I guess they haven't determined what sex it is, but whatever they, this victim in the front seats burn beyond recognition. There's these sort of remnants of child belongings yeah, there's like a shoe, a backpack. Yeah, so they think somebody's abducted a child. And they said the detail of cutting, somebody had cut the seatbelts. Yeah. Thing. Uh, so they've asked Brennan there to identify the remains so that they can find out the identity of the child and hopefully find this child. And exactly. that's why she's there. Da, da, da. Intro. And then we get... The theme song. What's the theme song this week, Brittany? I don't know. It's all lately. It's just been uh, like CSI uh, Miami. Yeah, CSI, which we never remember. Every time we think of it, let me just. It's the it Who Are You one. Who are you? and what happens (laughs) oh shit what happens it's a good question uh i'm gonna take it in my notes is what i said oh great another kid case (laughs) i know it's like kill us with these cases if it's adults i'm like yeah they died whatever yeah if it's a kid it's like kidnapped (laughs) horrible Oh man. So yeah, back at the lab, we got Brennan and Zach determining the burn victims identity. So they're, um, they're trying to basically determine that the victim was actually the mother of this potential abducted child. They find some weird cartilage wedged in her throat at that moment. 
And then while they're like looking over this burned up, these burned up things, remains and stuff, Goodman, our good friend Goodman, uh, interrupts Zach and Brennan to introduce a woman from national security. You probably have her name. I think her last name's Pickering. Pickering, yeah. Yes, Agent I don't Pickering. remember what her, did I read down what her first name was? I don't know. I think it's like They Stephanie. just called her Miss Pickering. Yeah, I think it's like Stephanie or something, but regardless. Yeah, that sounds so, right. Basically, she's there to do an inter- interviews with everybody to review like their ability to have security clearance and stuff with the, uh, you know, national security and FBI and all that. And then Hodgins <laughs> pops his head up because he hates everybody to do with the government. And he uh, has to make some sort of conspiracy led comments uh, to complain about like how basically the security lady I mean Pickering is there on a witch hunt. Anyway, Hodgins, settle down. <laughs> <sighs> no one cares about you, Hodgins. So uh, Goodman says, okay, listen, you got to you gotta talk to this lady. She's got to talk to everybody. She's going to just run over some questions. Just be sure to take time with her and be civil. <laughs> and he's like double checking with Brennan. Did you hear me, Brennan? You have to be civil with this person because you know, Brittany, you and I know how Brennan feels about people from Homeland Security, National Security. She's got problems with authority, this Brennan lady. Will we see a, a physical fight in this episode? Um, <laughs> well, that's to be determined. Regardless, Booth shows up to make everything better, doesn't he? He does. What happens? Well, he basically just interrupts. <laughs> just asking, like, okay, oh. people, like, are you, have you ID'd the victim? Like, yeah, let's he's get going. like, let's go, let's go. Also, yeah. you can interrupt me anytime. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> And they, this is a welcome interruption. Brennan, like, basically ignores what Goodman's saying, ignores this lady, and is like, okay, you know what? I think we can do it. But we just have to, you know, look at Eastern European immigrants going back 10 years in some database. Oh, my God. How long does that take? Wow. A long time. Anyway, so they go to Angela's office, ultimately. Wow. They, had toward, they head toward Angela's office. Brennan brings up that they did not talk about how her interview went. Uh-huh. Booth asks her if it's her first TV interview. And we know that it's not her first TV interview, even though she says it is. I'm okay. guys. You can't see me, but I'm freaking out. <laughs> I wrote so like just wrote, not her first interview. What about the last episode where she was in an interview with legend icon penny marshall exactly so i looked into this this episode actually aired as the ninth episode oh so it actually it was the first interview but the way that it's the way it is on prime is this ordering why do they do that i don't know that seems to happen with every show. Like every show that has a long run, there's at least one, like one or two episodes that are out of order. That's really strange though. Is that, yeah. I wonder what that is about. I'm very curious. I wonder if it has something to do with like where it aired first. Maybe you know what I mean? like what channel or what deal they had with whatever company. Oh my God. That makes sense. Yeah. And fine. You win this round. Boo. So that's why fine. <laughs> We'll accept that in the moment it was her first TV interview Mm -hmm. and she just had not met 
the woman in, from the airport. Woman from the airport? I think that was the name of the... I think so, yeah. Anyway, they, they, they're going to Angela's office. Yes, That's basically exactly. what happens. Yeah. They determine that there was... Well, Brennan finally gets it out of booth. That no, it really didn't go very well. No. He's trying to, like, give her advice. She still doesn't quite get it, though. I don't think. Regardless. She definitely doesn't. Yeah, they go to the Angelator, and Angela's doing her thing, and then she and Booth start kind of flirting back and forth with this whole... Always. Kind of, oh, what kind of secrets? Because she doesn't, she's talking about being interviewed by the security lady, and Booth's like, oh, do you have secrets? And she's like, oh, yes, I have secrets, and blah, blah, blah. The best kind of secret. Anyway, Booth's like pretending to flirt with her. I don't like it. Stop doing that. I know, it's so gross. And Brennan is paying zero attention. Exactly. This is the most hilarious part, but go on. Oh, no. Like, I I think you're probably about to say the same thing, that Brennan doesn't pay attention. (laughs) They're running, like, in the background, just, like, pictures of these European women. Eastern European women. Eastern European women, apparently, that emigrated here eight to ten years ago. Yeah. A period of ten years. (laughs) What? But Brennan Mm -hmm. sees a woman. Mm -hmm. It's this exact skull. She's immediately... She's a genius, I tell you. And she's like, that one. First it's of a good all, match. Yes. First of all, where did they get these pictures? They look like headshots. <laughs> Was there Facebook back then? I don't know where they're getting these pictures. They're all like it, they head- look like mugshots. No, they're like headshots from like actors. Headshots. That's not mugshots. I was going for headshots. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yeah, glamour shots from their agents, basically. It's so funny. Like, don't even try to hide it, guys. Maybe that's could, maybe that's how they got the pictures. Everyone who applied to or auditioned to be the victim's sister, yeah, they just took all their photos. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So somehow Brennan, the genius who always figures things out within two seconds after everybody else spends hours and hours trying to figure it out, picks up this woman and they decide that this is her. Like this is another thing. This is another thing. How did they know it's her? They just identify. Well, they run like with that. it. They just go with it and say oh, it must be her. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Brennan said it must be her. Yep. It fits. Fits all the things. She Where's has an eight-year-old son named Donovan. Where's the DNA? And um. It? Yeah, it works. Uh, they're lucky, I guess. Anyway, and they I, they hit the ground running with this. A hundred percent. All right. So uh, they identify this woman. Okay. What's her name? Paulina Semoff. Born yep. in 1970, immigrated from Trudin, which is a place very, uh, really inland Russia, like really in the middle of Russia. I looked it up on the internet. I appreciate you doing that because I went, oh, that's an interesting place. I don't know where it is. <laughs> anyway, she married this guy named Decker. They had a son named Donovan. And I proceeded to call the son Hurdy Gurdy because Donovan is a singer from like the 60s and 70s. Like, oh, it's when the Hurdy oh. man starts singing songs of love. Do you ever see the movie Zodiac? I think so. Like, oh, come on. Like Robert Downey Jr., Jake Gyllenhaal. Anyway. Yeah. The end of that movie, they have a song called Hurdy Gurdy Man by Donovan. And he's like, that's when the hurdy gurdy man. Oh, okay, I got to play it for you. I'll play like 15 seconds Please of the song. Please do. Okay. But it's like hurdy gurdy. So the, the whole episode I called 
I called the good hurdy gurdy. You hear it? very music heavy episode <laughs> it is i have i think i have actually heard this song oh, it's a classic it's a classic anyway donovan is the kid's name <laughs> donovan is the kid's name and actually his initials are all d's which i fun fact wow donovan dimitri decker that's a lot of d's kind of random but <laughs> a lot of d's i agree donovan decker donovan decker sounds like a like a an army man or something yeah. from like a G.I. Joe kind of situation. I agree. Okay. We get our car scene next though. Yes. And Brennan is the worst in the scene. Why is this? <laughs> you what? want me to talk about it? Yeah, until we get to the, the part. Okay. And then you please cut me off on the juicy part, <laughs> which is about two seconds in. <laughs> so they're driving, they're talking about the case. They've determined that Pauline and Carl uh, Decker separated three months ago. So they're living at separate addresses. Well, we know Booth kind of sarcastically says, like, we know that the the mom is in a drawer back in the lab, so let's go find the dad. <laughs> so presumably that's where they're going to the father's house. Oh my god. <laughs> and then Brennan Ugh. points to a car seat in Booth's uh, car. And asks if uh, he arrested anyone really small lately. As if she doesn't know that he has a kid. Okay, since this aired two episodes ago, apparently, did she know he had a kid at that point? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, she doesn't act surprised that the, he had a kid, right? No. Because he just says, oh, I had Parker for the weekend. She's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I thought Parker was too old for a car seat. Oh, for sure. I, he, he, okay. He might not be too old for a car seat. He's definitely too old for that car seat. I was going to say, it was really small. <laughs> it was very tiny. So, yeah, we're not, Booth is not exercising proper car safety for his child. <laughs> right. So they have this dumb back and forth, right? Where they're, oh, you, sh- I don't want, she says, I don't want kids. He says, oh, you'll change your mind. And she's like, no, I won't. He says, yes, you will. And then he's getting agitated. I can tell Booth is the best. He's holding on to the <laughs> steering wheel. And he does. I do this too. He's squeezing the steering wheel and like, like kind of rolling oh, yeah. in his fingers. Cause he's getting really agitated with Brennan. Cause she's being obtuse as usual. And pushing his buttons being like, Oh, well, you know, uh, why would you want to bring a kid into this world? Parker was an accident. So you didn't do oh, it knowingly anyway. <laughs> I know. Like, she's whoa. So much judgment on, she places so much judgment on him. It's insane. Oh Yeah. So it's okay. awful. <laughs> then she acts surprised that a lot of abductions happen between estranged spouses. I mean, hello, Amber Alert, anybody? Regardless. Yeah. This is the scene. Okay. It's coming. Scene number six. We arrive at the husband's address. Drum roll, please. I videotaped this as I watched it, so it's going to be on the Instagram, but I could not get over. This is the 
the the scene that made me post on Instagram about how crazy it was. And Brittany is the only one who commented. And she's the person I asked to join me on this podcast because of the scene. Booth and Brennan go up to the house. They're just chit-chatting about, you know, random details. Booth walks up onto the, whatever that's called, the walkway. He goes up to the front door of the house and he raises his hand to knock on the door. And then David, the actor, pretends to knock on the door, doesn't touch the door, just sort of makes the motion that he's knocking. He does it not once, but twice. He does it twice. (laughs) And when I saw that, I went insane the first time I saw that. So I was like, why is he doing that? I feel like I need to, do you save? I feel like I need to look up what I said to you very specifically. Oh, God. I don't know. Do we have it in our interactions? Maybe. I may. I might have it. Let me look up Brittany on my... Oh, I said the following. OMG, this is my all-time favorite show. (laughs) i'm looking here right because i wrote this is what i wrote on the the picture the story i put up i said uh fake knocking why you definitely have to post that that needs to go on our instagram page 100 i said fake knocking why though makes no sense bones also Season one is problematic. <laughs> but I wrote like and we've talked about that. that. I said I was re-watching it and I was like, don't judge me. And you said, don't judge me. So I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah. It's so, so that's good. It. We have arrived at the scene that started it all. It's true. Only eleven I'm- episodes in. I know. Well, it's not bad. It's kind of anticlimactic. I realize that. But uh what happens from there? Well, he fake knocks on the door, which is fine because there's no one in there anyway. Right. Um, and Brennan does this thing that I think is super nosy and annoying. Oh my God. My, moved. my dog has moved again. <laughs> um, so Brennan is peeking through the window, taking a look at what's inside. They notice that like, there's no TV, there's no stereo, there's no art. There's nothing on the walls. The place looks dusty. It's pretty obvious that Mr. Decker has not been there for a while. Right. Um, Booth, like, is barely paying attention to Brennan talking about this, but notices that there's a car across the road, a van across the road, with some dude who's taking photos of the house. Mm -hmm. So, of course, Booth is like, my FBI senses are tingling, (laughs) runs up to the car. This guy tries to start the engine. Fortunately, it doesn't seem to turn over properly. And so he comes in with his elbow, he being Booth, and smashes this window with pure force. Do you know you would probably break your elbow if you did that? Like, Oh, for sure. Broke the side window with his elbow. He has strong elbows. Wow. Breaks the glass. Pulls the guy out of the car. And Brennan goes to the back of the van and there's a guy trying to get out the back. And then they're like, FBI! And then the people from the car are like, U.S. Marshals. Yep. And Brennan yells, forensic anthropologist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after she threw done. the guy to the ground, she, like, freaking picked the guy up and threw him to the ground. It was so Oh, funny. yeah. Well, we need 
we need some opportunity for Brennan to show off her skills. Exactly. We haven't seen her really beat anybody up lately. No. This is a welcome opportunity. Yeah, so they all identify themselves as being different law enforcement and they're like all confused. And the next one is so funny. I just don't understand how they don't know that they're... (laughs) This is a classic, classic mix-up. You know, where you have different agencies investigating different things, you know, happens all the time. And they just don't talk to each other. Interagency conflict and all that. Not great. But apparently Carl Decker is a federal witness under witness protection. Mm-hmm. Is He is supposed to be a key witness in a, um, a case against this company called KBC Systems that designs body armor. Mm-hmm. Um, faulty body, body armor for military personnel in Iraq and other places. Uh, basically, he knows that they that the um, defect, that they were producing defective armor Mm-hmm. That resulted in a bunch of soldiers dying. Mm-hmm. So he's going to testify against this company. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happened in two days. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they're keeping an eye on his house, trying to make sure that he stays put, except he's not home. I thought. I don't know if they're watching the house in case like bad guys come by or something. Or oh, maybe that would be a good it. reason monitoring it to make sure like there's no dodgy people around but the funniest part to me was when colin my favorite fbi boss walks into booth's (laughs) office brennan's sitting down and he goes well thank god no one got shot and he goes because she doesn't have a gun probably because she doesn't have a gun and she was like (gasps) she was so insulted i so insulted ends the scene with what does he not like me this whole we know he doesn't like you well i don't know he doesn't like her he just you know he just thinks whatever she's an idiot like typical but yeah this whole episode i noticed brendan is very insecure in this one like she just she doesn't give a shit (laughs) she's like when do you like me wasn't i good at the interview what did i do wrong like she's (laughs) acting like really weird and why does he not love me I don't. I helped take down this U.S. Marshal. Exactly. Anyway, I thought that was really fun. Um, no, it is funny. I like it. So basically, what Colin is saying and his argument is that they shouldn't notify Decker, the husband of his wife's death and his child's abduction, because it might jeopardize him testifying against these uh, military vest manufacturing people the kbc system exactly and booth is really upset like the like as much as brennan is insecure in this episode booth is really triggered like he's so affected by this abduction like he's really really worried and stressed and anxious about it all he's trying to really hurry up and get this figured out and get the kid which is understandable obviously so yeah they're just concerned that you know the decker knowing his son is missing will affect his testimony and colin was like suck it up booth (laughs) like it's a complicated situation just suck it up you don't need him he didn't do it so fine yeah look for other people you know so he just and the way he casually kind of like walks out i just thought colin i love colin he's great yeah well they do listen to him for once (laughs) and try to explore different avenues so they end up back 
at the Jeffersonian. Yeah, so they basically say, well, if we can't go the route of finding talking to the father, then okay, let's put our heads together, work as a team. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. That's exactly. So, it's- so while they're driving back, because Brennan yeah. doesn't have her car, because they need to drive together everywhere. <sighs> presumably, Booth is driving her back to the Jeffersonian, which is where they come up with this plan. <laughs> which I assume is where her car is parked. Which is where hopefully her car is parked, yes. <laughs> um, so she's going to go back and look at the remains and Booth is going to go and talk to the victim's family. Um, and he kind of makes a side remark, oh, the ones who aren't under federal protection. Mm-hmm. Which is hopefully none of them. <laughs> hopefully none of them are under federal protection other than this one guy. Exactly. <clears throat> um what yeah, so basically that's what that's the game plan that, that they come up with and they end up back at the Jeffersonian. Yeah. Um Zach has some some news that which I think we forgot to mention that at one point when they were analyzing the remains, they discovered something in the victim's mouth, in Polina's mouth. Right. I um, mentioned that earlier. They found some cartilage. You did. Okay, no, you did mention it. Mm. I have baby brain. I was like, did I mention that? Yeah, come on, Brittany. Like, <sighs> do something about this baby. I'm sick of it. I know. <laughs> I have no memory. <laughs> okay, so as Kelly mentioned, um, <laughs> they found a piece of cartilage in Plain's mouth at one point. And now at this point, Zach has identified it as an ear and has figured out that Polina, while she was in this situation, um, at some point bit off her attacker's ear. Um, and there's some wax on it. Very helpful. That's some Mike Tyson shit right there. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, apparently, they give this ear, they find some earwax. Yeah. Which they give to Hodges. Which gives him a job. Excellent. Because the other job he has in this show, this episode is dumb. But regardless. Yes. Um, <laughs> right. So what did I say? I'll get back in Brennan's office. Booth. Uh... This is so funny to me. This is a weird scene. Booth apparently has rustled up some family video. I don't like, know. From this... who? Like, where does he get these family videos? God. No idea. <laughs> Remember the one where he was crying over that girl who was having an affair with the senator? That was so funny. Yeah. I was like, why is he the one who was in the water? And anyway yeah yeah okay i do remember that she was like you can't understand the victim yeah (laughs) yeah but who's giving him this home video shit that's what i'm wondering like in this case the father's missing the mother's (sighs) dead like is the son not actually kidnapped and he's like this is my favorite home video i don't know man i got to learn to ride a bike right so let's just quickly say booth and brennan have this whole this scene i didn't think was that necessary like they could have incorporated some of this information differently <sighs> they have some sort of philosophical discussion about oh i don't know how to say this you maybe you can help me with this but it's some sort of philosophical discussion about psychology versus uh science. Not like anthropology versus psychology but to me it just seems like psychology it's, it's all it's all the same exactly to me yeah i'm not a forensic anthropologist so i forgive me, me either 
But Brennan is basically trying to describe the behavior of a father who's teaching their kid how to ride a bike. Right. How anthropologically it has significance because they're trying to empower their kid. But at the same time, like the kid is like, it's a symbiotic relationship because the kid wants to learn to ride this bike. The father's nervous that he's going to get hurt. The kid doesn't care Mm -hmm. because he's a kid and isn't scared of things like that. And he trusts his father to take care of him. And he trusts his father that he's not going to get him to do something that would make, that would injure him. Mm-hmm. But somehow Brennan describes that it's an anthropological relationship or an anthropological phenomenon that this father would be, that really it's the boy who's helping the father because the father's so nervous. So the boy could tell his father to let go right away so he could start riding on two wheels right away mm. but he lets his father build up the confidence mm. and like comfort level for him to be able to do it okay i did not want to it talk goes about- on it's <laughs> <laughs> just like this silly zine where they talk about anthropology versus sociology versus psychology and it's just like okay it just all seemed like psychology <laughs> well they were just basically booth wanted brennan to sort of try to figure out the relationship between the son and the father and all that yeah. shit. So it's fine because Booth's I wonder part- if it also gave them an opportunity to kind of like put a name to a face or make it more personal. Right. Which is something that Brennan doesn't do, but Booth, Booth loves to do. Yeah. Booth's all about that sort of personal connection for sure. Yeah. Which I don't know if it really is very good for him psychologically. Like he should get some fucking PTSD help or something. Yeah, <laughs> I think so as well. And why not just talk to a family member instead? Like he does in the next scene. Exactly. Go on. I want to first say that this woman's Eastern European accent is worse than mine. And mine it is, is really bad. <laughs> I actually looked up where she was born because I was like, is it really that bad or... Like, is she actually from there? And I just don't know what an Eastern European accent is. Oh, really? Like, and? So she's supposed to be speaking in a Russian accent. Apparently. She's American. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> Which no. we're not surprised about. <laughs> oh, my God. It's it's terrible. She seems like a nice lady. Her sure. son's name is Donovan in real life. Which happens to be what? the name of, yeah. That's The weird. actress. Was her son born before or after this episode? That's an excellent question. Hmm. Her son was born. I had it. Oh, I had the page and now it's not loading. Oh, regardless. That's weird. Regardless. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe she was like, Hey, can I, I have this personal connection. Oh, sorry. It's Dominique. Not Dom, not Donovan. (laughs) Not even close. It's a D name. Never mind. <laughs> I thought it was Donovan. I had the page all open to talk to you about it and everything. Wow. Anyway, Sorry. so you should ignore me. But baby anyway, brain. so this lady who has we're a bad Russian accent. It, we're just gonna call it baby brain, okay? Baby brain. I'll just use that. I, I get up to five baby brain excuses per episode. <laughs> that seems like a lot. <laughs> um, so this lady, Marius Semov, is the victim's sister. She is in absolute tears. It appears that she lives with her sister and and her sister's son, her nephew, um, and says that her um, sister and her son left the house around 5 a.m. Because what eight-year-old isn't on a swim team? 
That's where he was going. I was. Were you, you were on, okay, thank you. I was wondering, I was like, <laughs> what swim team takes on eight-year-olds? I swam competitively for a long time and we got up real early, girl, like. I did I not know that, that. I was saying that today. I was, bo- I was at my boxing class and I was like talking about how annoying it was that no one ever considered swimmers as real athletes when I was like, that's interesting. Cause I trained six hours a day, like six days a week. Like I was, yeah. I was training a lot when I swam competitively and yeah, I started when I was about that young. That is very interesting to know. And I appreciate you bringing me back down to earth because I have this highlighted. I was going to be like, what eight-year-old is on a swim team? I was very passionate about it. Gotta start Obviously, I shouldn't have been. You think Michael Phelps started when he was like, he was young, probably a six when he started. Oh, probably. But I just didn't know like where you would find a swim team for eight-year-olds. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> anyway, That's fine. Well- What's Paulina's sister saying? So she's saying what? So she's she gives some pretty juicy details to Booth. Yes. She basically conveys that, yeah, she's very close to her sister. Her sister, as they already know, um, separated from her husband, Carl. And Carl was brilliant, but cold and angry. Kind of the way she describes him is he's very intellectual, but doesn't have a lot of personality. No, you have to um, say it like this, Brittany. Brittany, you have to say it like this. He was cold and angry. That's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> he, Replace he every a, W with a V. He was a brilliant man, but he was cold and angry. <laughs> I think you might be doing a better accent than the actress. <laughs> That's ridiculous. But we get some juicy info. <clears throat> and that is that Polina, <clears throat> the reason that they separated is because Lena had speculated that he was having an affair. He never, like, he never really denied it, but he also didn't say that it was true. But she had front, she confronted him with some receipts from a motel that he went to once or twice a week. Yeah. So, as he basically, she confronted him. Carl was angry about it when she confronted him. Wouldn't talk about it. So Polina was like, "You know what? If you're not going to talk to me about this, I'm taking her son and I'm getting out of here." Yeah. And so they separated. Yes. Da da da. <laughs> yeah. So Paulina moved in with her sister temporarily, like, and then all this shit went down. So back at the lab, we got Zach talking about certain sort of uh, trauma marks on this victim's skull, specifically a lot of cracking in her teeth and bones and stuff, which is unusual. They're trying to figure out what that's all about. And while that's happening, Angela is being interviewed by our friendly Miss Agent Pickering, the woman from the NSA. I think she's NSA, right? Not home. I think so. That, that's what they imply. I I feel so bad for this lady. <laughs> well, they do treat her like shit, but you know, what do you expect? <clears throat> they always she's just trying people. to do her job. I know, but they're always combative and everybody's being really antagonistic and whatever. So Angela's being interviewed and we find out during this interview that Angela's lived all over the place and that she was married or maybe is married, which I'm going to probably talk about later, like many episodes from now. Yeah. About this marriage. (laughs) Yeah, this comes back, even though she's like, oh, doing that fire dance in Fiji, that actually stuck. 
Yeah, I know. Wow. I didn't realize I was still married. So during this interview, Angela does this thing that really codependent people do (laughs) where they're talking and the person is not responding and they're talking and the person's not responding and they're getting more and more, she's got more and more flustered and insecure and worried about what she, the woman was writing down on her pad. and Which was a lot. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, the point is, is that, yeah, she starts freaking out and it's weird. That's all. It's Another, really weird. She's like, oh my God, are you my therapist? I know. Am she's I treating you too much like a therapist? She just rambles. She's like, this is it's, it's feeling like therapy. Do you want to take a break? Like Angela's like, should we stop? Or like, how, stop? how are you feeling? Are you okay? Like, anyway, it's what, just stupid. <laughs> what I thought was interesting, she she is rambling. But what I thought was interesting is she very, very specifically says that Brennan needs her there. And that's why she has that's why she works there. That she's eh about the job. But Brennan needs her there. Yeah, classic codependent. Just gonna say that right now. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that that was very odd. Like, I feel like we always get that impression that she kind of thinks that. But for she, her to actually say it, it's like, oh. Well, she's what's what, what a codependent does by saying something like that, by saying, oh, you need me here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or putting, it's it's very weird. It's a very weird manipulation because what you're saying is it's, how do I explain this? So because she says Brennan needs me here, she kind of leaves it. It's sort of the onus is on Brennan then. It's sort of Brennan's yeah. responsibility. She's then. doing her a favor. And it's weird. Like that's that's what codependents do. They, they kind of turn the table a little bit and go, oh, it's your fault. Or I can't yeah. because of you. Or, you know, it's like not taking her own responsibility like even not taking responsibility for being married like come on yeah like oh that's stuck (laughs) so i don't know what we're supposed to gain from this i think it's supposed to be funny but i got it that she's codependent as hell (laughs) yeah i just i found it kind of like awkward it's weird you know there's there's scenes like that in tv shows where like you feel uncomfortable yeah very weird you're like oh this is awful but we feel uncomfortable in another way because uh, Booth, meanwhile, is interviewing oh my the God. CEO the way of this they, other company. Yeah, he goes to interview the guy at KBS. The, I call him the Prez. The Prez at the KBS. The Prez, Trent. But I'll let you talk about this. But the way they set up the scene is that Booth is like way at the end of the table. And they're <laughs> all way at the other side of the room. Oh, yeah. Discussion with him. They're super separate. So it's like this symbolic kind of like you stay over there. We're over here. You know, like six foot difference because of COVID. Oh, wait, <laughs> if it's not happening. We're just being rude. <laughs> so what happens at KBS? So KBS. um, Basically, so the CEO's there, the company attorney's there, and they're trying to explain away. Oh, hi, Tiki. <laughs> they're trying to explain what Carl Decker, what his relationship was with the company. They're, they explain him as a paranoid, um, disgruntled employee, mm-hmm. uh, that he was nuts, he was a pain in the ass, he has opposition to compliance disorder, uh, we already said paranoid. 
that he's making extremely da- damaging false allegations against the company. And basically, Booth comes right out and is like, I'm I have far enough distance away from these people. I'm just going to say it. So did you kidnap his wife and son? Hmm. And they, they completely deny it. Hmm. Well, also, the CEO tries to kiss up to Booth, which is super uncomfortable, I thought. I mean, oh. like, I was a soldier. I see, if I'm reading you correctly, you were a soldier, too. Listen. And I would never risk a soldier's life. Like, yeah. what? So the press is saying he was in Vietnam. And I don't know how you can tell that. I guess you could tell Booth was in the military. I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't he, know. Like, he tries to commiserate with him on some level, commiserate with Booth. But Booth isn't really having it, eh? No, he's not having it at all. They're basically no. saying, like, listen, Decker did a lot of good work for us, but everyone here hated him. And ultimately, <laughs> he left because he alienated everyone. Yeah. So look for your murder and kidnapper elsewhere because it's not us. And Booth kind of leaves there like, okay, okay. <laughs> it's all it's all fine and dandy. You can like deny whatever you want, but it's yeah. like it's always fishy when I don't know. Anytime somebody goes, oh, they're crazy, they're paranoid, they're yeah, like all this crap, trying to discredit him, Decker. I mean, they're trying to discredit yeah. Decker. They make a lot of effort to do that. They use yeah. like every word that they could possibly think of really make an effort to say like it's not just us that thinks that all the employees here also didn't like him yeah tiki's getting restless do you want to go down? oh hi tiki here he is you want to talk about decker <laughs> <laughs> he's my bougie bouge anyway sorry oh, i'm distracted by my um, oh he's so cute well boo yeah. leaves there irritated Goes back to the Jeffersonian irritated. Yeah. Brennan is also irritated because she's like, where have you been? This is I've been favorite. waiting up all night for you. No, sorry, she doesn't say that. I'm listening. I'm taking the dog out of the room. Go on. Okay. Sounds good. But yeah, so she basically is like, where have you been? He's like, what do you mean, where have I been? I've been doing my job. I'm a field agent. I'm supposed to go and do interviews. That's part of my job. <laughs> she's like, well, I found an ear. Part of an ear in the victim's mouth. And... Yeah. Like, did you even find anything? I know. Like, he's like, I'm a field agent. I was in the field. He's like, pissed yeah. at her and she's pissed at him because everybody's agitated. Everybody's on edge because they have a very short window here to identify, find the kid, hope he's still alive, all these things. So it's super high stress. And uh, so they just basically exchange all of the information that we, uh, the audience, are already privy to. And then they... Yeah, uh, Booth's on his way to go see Angela because he needs her help um, to go through some security footage from the motel that apparently Decker's having this affair at. So I think that he calls it a fat recognition program instead of a mass recognition program. If she corrects him, I'm pretty yeah. sure he said fat recognition program. I don't know if he said fact, fact or fact. Oh, maybe oh. fact? Because it said fat on the on-screen text yeah but maybe it just didn't pick up fact maybe it didn't translate properly but i was like did he just say fat recognition <laughs> he seems smarter than that <laughs> yeah, so she corrects him of course so she corrects him yeah. he basically runs off to go see angela 
and Brennan watches him walk off and he goes to Angela's office to take a look at this footage. Yeah, but in the meantime, uh, Zach and Brennan are conferring and he cl- he um, basically determined that the victim was dead before she was set on fire. And the security lady interrupts Pickering, the NSA lady interrupts Zach. She goes, you know, you know, Mr. Addy, are you prepared to talk right now? And then Brennan is so bold. She jumps down this woman's throat. And I'm with oh, Brennan yeah. here. I'm with Brennan because Brennan goes... Yes, you are interrupting him. He's in the middle of something right now. Hence the reason, you know, you're interrupting him in the middle of a conversation. Like, hello, he's not available. He was literally halfway through a sentence. And she's like, oh, I'm interrupting him. Yes. Yeah. So this woman from NSA, mm, she lacks a little bit of tact. And also, can they not schedule these interviews another time? Like, like I said, it's a very high stress situation and has time constraints and this woman is interrupting them in the middle of this investigation yeah like it's not good (laughs) no it's not good and Hodgins I find it hilarious because Zach doesn't want to be interviewed because he's like I'm busy right now Brennan is like I don't want to be interviewed I'm busy right now Hodgins is like pick me (laughs) you know what I will waive the lawyer anyway he basically says listen I want you to interview me. And she's like, yeah, no, it won't be necessary. <laughs> he wants to be interviewed by her. He's dying. He's dying. Oh, yeah. Oh. Him and his conspiracy theory brain. It, they're like, he's like, I must. I like must do that, it. Yeah, exactly. Now that she doesn't want him, she he wants so badly. He wants so oh, yeah. badly. Because if she wanted to interview him, then he would fight against her for that, too. So he's being defiant on all sides, right? Oh, yeah. Well, so eventually Pickering leaves because she's like, okay, shit. I, oh, bad word. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I did interrupt you. You're right. I'm annoyed, but okay, I'll leave, whatever. Right. And so they keep talking and ultimately they conclude that um, she was tortured, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and she bit off this guy's ear while she was having seizures from, they give a bunch of ideas about what it could be from, but Brennan is like, nope, that's the one. It's electrocution. Mm-hmm. And it kind of all makes sense. It kind of all ties into some of the things that they were talking about before, about some of the damage um, to her, to the victim's teeth, some of the damage to the skull that you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of realize this woman was being electrocuted so that they could find, so the whoever was electrocuting her could find out where her husband was. Mm-hmm. but kidnappers mm-hmm. are you dumb she doesn't know where her husband is because they're not married anymore yeah i know right but so. whatever they're terrible people as we know so the next scene we have hodgins he's like hounding the security lady hounding agent pickering trying to get her to interview him come on i'm a badass come and get me and she's like yeah no so she tells him she comes clean and says listen your cousin he got a job really high up in the government and to avoid embarrassment we had to sort of vet his whole family like anybody he was associated with just in case it would be bad for that particular office that he took 
And then, yeah, Hodgins is incensed by this. He's just incensed because he finds out that during this process, they've decided that he's harmless and he poses absolutely no threat to the government whatsoever. Which oh, Greg's I here. Love. Come here, Greg. Hi, Greg. Come say hi. Close your shirt. Hello, come. hello. Come. Does Greg like Hodgins? Greg, I don't know if he's watched enough episodes to know who Hodgins is and whether or not he likes Hodgins. Okay. Hodgins will grow on you. Oh, God. Don't start with that, Brittany. (laughs) I was talking to a friend this weekend, her and her, uh, one of her kids. Here's Greg. Hi. Hello, hello. Good to see you. (laughs) Good to see you, too. (laughs) How's it going? We're talking bones. Very good. We are. How's it going? Are you guys on the podcast right now? Yeah, we're recording. We are. That means you're a a guest. You're an impact. I'm a guest. guest. You're our first guest. (laughs) He wants to stay. Anyway. No, no. <laughs> I'll let you guys. What do you think it. of Hodgins? Hodgins, uh, well, the guy's pretty chiseled. He's a handsome, has a handsome man. That's, that's not him. David. That's oh, it's a... David. Okay. <laughs> no, he is chiseled though. We saw that one episode oh, that he was. No. He's got that hip thing. Remember the hip dip? Yeah. Oh, the hip. You're onto something, Greg. You're on the. You guys are on the uh, on the hip dip. Yeah. <laughs> He's in he's in sit down shape. Remember we talked about that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> unlike sit down me. Shape, unlike me. <laughs> You're preaching to the choir. <laughs> Listen, she's pregnant. Leave her alone. Goodbye. <laughs> uh-huh. Have fun, ladies. Bye. Close Thank you. Morning, okay, where were we? Oh, we're talking about Hodgins being told he's harmless by the government. He's like, no, oh. I'm not. I'm a tough guy. This break. This honestly brought me such joy. Yeah. Because he's always like, I'm a conspiracy theorist. Conspiracies are my jam. I'm a threat. And they're like, you're benign. I (laughs) know. She she calls him benign. He's no threat at all. And he's like, yes, I am. I'm I'm dangerous. (laughs) I could make your blood curdle, literally. I know, because he has the secret formula to curdling blood, apparently. Oh my gosh. It's honestly an embarrassment. But that's fine. Angela Booth and Brennan end up back in one of their offices i don't know where exactly they are but they're exactly somewhere um looking at these tapes from the motel trying to figure out who carl decker was meeting at the motel um and sure enough they are able to figure it out turns out that he is living a secret life (laughs) meeting with Mm -hmm. a man who yeah, certainly so, doesn't look like a hitman. Well, yeah, they're trying to decide, like, is he having an affair with a man? Is he a hitman? All this stuff. And then, you know what Booth said? It's my, said my favorite thing on the whole planet. He goes, simmer down. <laughs> For sim- simmer down. He might be a hitman. Print the picture. Simmer down. <laughs> he said that in the episode with the meth in the wall. Remember at the dance club? He was like, simmer down. <laughs> yeah, because they all got high off the meth. He says it all the time. I love it. It's such an old man thing to say. He's an old man in a young person's body. But I, I like it. Okay, what's next? So basically, yeah. So they're, they want to bring this guy in. They're going to figure out who he is. They're going to bring him in, see if he has two ears. That's a good start. Because they know that the attacker has an ear missing. That's hard okay. to regrow. It's not like right. a liver or something. Right. Um. <laughs> This is not like a gecko losing his tail. 
Oh my god. Lizard? I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Hey, we're moving on. <laughs> Next scene, Zach is being interviewed by the, our security lady, Miss Pickering. And he's in the bone room, I think. He's looking at bones and stuff, and there's light lights on, and she wants his full attention. She's annoyed because he won't sit down and talk to her in an office. He he says, I could do more than one thing at once. So she's like, I need your full attention. And then he does that annoying childish thing where he stops. He's like, okay, you've got my attention now. Anyway, he has zero respect for this woman. So she, it's very contentious. He, he does that, but then she's like, are you concerned that um, acting like a child is a sign of emotional retardation? Oh, my God. He goes, I'm I was like, whoa. He goes, I'm working on it. <laughs> I do like that. I like how Zach's like aware of his obtuseness on some level. He's aware and he likes to, he almost like pokes fun at himself and he yeah. tries to joke. Yes. Which self, his yeah. character is funny. He is self-effacing. So that's good. So I during like him. this discussion with the agent Pickering, I don't know if she's an agent, but regardless, she, he's, he has this light bulb moment go off and he mentions what does he say? The numbers, regardless, he says some sort of 480 amp. volts, 350 amps. There you go. <laughs> and he runs away from her. He says, are we done? I got to go. So um, my favorite thing that happens next, can I just talk about this next piece? Absolutely. Can I just make a quick point about the 480 volts? Yes. I did not think anything of it because I'm not an electrician. However, I'm married to an electrician. You're married to one. Yeah. mm -hmm. And he said that this is actually really this from just the scene, although we go on in like one or two scenes to find this out a little bit. Right. But it's the most common power system used in U.S. industrial plants. And it actually isn't used in Canada, this specific voltage. Really? So in case you wanted to know. Does that mean we have less voltage? That is a question I did not ask. And I should have. Mark, do we have less voltage? Uh, higher. We have higher voltage. Ooh, it's electrifying. It is electrifying. Better shape up, you better shape up. Because <laughs> I need a man. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, go on. Tell me about right. the next scene. So this is funny to me because Booth saunters into Cullen's office where they have, and the way he does it, it's like he kicks the door open with his foot. <laughs> And it made me laugh so hard because he was like a kid, like banging down the door, like, man, he's like being a real brat about everything. And he walks in. <laughs> this whole interaction is so funny. So this guy that was in the photograph that they printed off from the motel security footage is sitting in Colin's office. <sighs> and then <laughs> we find out that this guy is a U.S. attorney and he's like advising uh, Decker on his testimony and Booth says <laughs> I was hoping you were gay or missing an ear <laughs> and then the guy says well I get the gay thing a lot because I'm so cute <laughs> and basically it turns out in this whole conversation Booth is just really and Booth is taking this it's interesting, the scene again, similar to where Booth is at the end of the table, here Booth is standing over this guy, so he's very domineering, eh? Booth's a tall dude, and he's like really giving the guys the hairy eyeball, and he's like, what the hell? 
Colin is not impressed with this dude at all because apparently yeah. they have completely lost Decker. Decker is nowhere to be found. Oops. <laughs> they lost him. So, and it was late, it was like earlier that morning because Decker loves his son so much. So every single day it's important for him to check in with his son just to, because he was worried that his family was going to be attacked by this by the KBS. company. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when he can't reach his son that morning, mm-hmm. obviously he's gonna skedaddle. Because he's out. like, well, I gotta find my son. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't like this guy, Weeks, I think his name is. Yes. He's kind of a smart ass. <laughs> Funny though. But yeah. I'm just looking at basically. While I was taking my notes, I had my dictation button on. So it basically took down the whole conversation in the office. <laughs> in oh, that's notes. helpful. It's really, really funny. It's so, very, yeah. Yeah, they got to find Decker because the whole thing's screwed. Like the testimony's screwed. Now the girl's dead. They can't find the kid. So it's it's really now we're down to the wire. Like this is getting very bad now. This is very bad. Yeah. And it is looking like the KBC systems that they are guilty of hiring um, hitmen or kidnappers or whatever to threaten uh, this guy's wife and kid Mm. um, to try to avoid him from getting on the stand because billions of dollars are at stake in this case. Right. So the attorney makes the argument that, yeah, actually they're pieces of crap and they should be prosecuted. And then um, he says, basically they're trying to, Trying to find the husband to tell him, you know, don't let your wife die in vain. Like, want to give him some kind of emotional, plea, yeah, you know, to make him testify. So, anything else from that scene you want to talk about? I think that's basically it. Yeah, it is it. So, what do we do back at the lab here? So, if well, eventually we get back to the lab, mm-hmm. and Booth is trailing behind Brennan, trying to catch her up on on what's going on. So, basically. <laughs> Booth and Brennan are chatting. Um, they're basically talking about, well, Brennan's like, they're bo- but they're both like, we shouldn't jump to conclusions, but KBC did it. Mm. That's kind of the idea. So he's catching her up. Zach walks in mm. and is like, 480 volts, 350 amps. Mm. And they're like, what are you talking about? And ultimately they figure out that they used a generator to electrocute Helena. Right. Um, and that basically, unfortunately, she died from that. But yeah, so the, that's the only way, that's the only voltage that would have caused the muscle spasms to, uh, to fracture the bone. Mm-hmm. So the next piece is interesting because they go back and forth because they're trying to figure out because they're down to the wire. There's a lot of stress. They got to figure out what's going on. They're trying to find out what do you think Decker would do? Like, so Booth asked Zach, hey, Zach, you're a genius, just like this guy, Decker. They find out that actually, no, Decker doesn't have as high an IQ as Zach, but that's. Yeah, besides Decker's the, an idiot compared to Zach, but that's fine. Besides the point. Anyway, so Booth's like, what would you do? What would you do? And if you were in the situation and then Zach goes, well, it's not about my genius. It's about my personality. So then Brennan yeah. turns it back on Booth and says, well, we're looking at a loving father whose son has been kidnapped. His wife has been killed. 
what would you do booth <laughs> yeah and they so, rely on booth because yeah. they and in the next scene we find out that that was a good idea to rely on him but they basically they're heading booth ultimately in the next scene while they're in the car another car scene <laughs> um specifies very specifically that if they did what if, if this happened to me mm-hmm. that i would go to the source of the problem and i would take them out yeah. and she's brennan's like what do you mean take them out <laughs> she realizes he's literally talking about like i would kill them she forgets that he is a freaking sniper killer. he's a killer Who's oh it? yeah like yeah no there would be nothing accidental about that so they are going straight to kbc systems yeah. Because that is where they think they're going to find this guy. And sure enough, they walk in the building. They had called for backup, so backup is coming. Yeah. Good call, Booth. Um, they go in the building. And sure enough, wait a minute. they find... They go in the building. Listen to this. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no tell me. All the way into the building, he's like, Brennan, this is why I don't like you to come along in these situations. You just... One more thing I got to worry about is like, what's Brennan going to do? They walk in, they see the security dude at a desk, flip the badge, I'm here looking for so-and-so. They head towards the elevators or whatever. First of all, this building was built in the 1980s. Like, it's so 80s inside this building. Second, they discover the lawyer who was in the scene earlier, this female lawyer, is lying on the ground, knocked out, senseless. Literal feet from the security guy. Like Okay, thank you. It's like literally around the corner. Like, what kind of security guy is this? This is the kind of security guard that puts his headphones in, puts <laughs> his head down, and doesn't know what's happening in the building. Yeah. I'm shocked. He didn't even notice that there's a woman, like, lying on the floor, like, 10 feet away, knocked out. Anyway. And she's moaning. Like, she's moaning <laughs> because she's still alive. Like, she's she's got some problems. Yeah. She's not doing so well. Yeah, so anyway, her out. So she's alive, fine. They head to the president's office, and lo and behold, who's there? And we find Decker screaming mm-hmm. at the CEO, mm-hmm. that Trent guy. Yes. I'm um, telling him, but he's pointing a gun at this guy's head and saying, make the call to, to call off um, the kidnap of his boy. He's saying, release my boy, or I'm going to shoot you. Right. And ultimately, they end up talking him down. Funny enough, it's actually not Booth that talks him down. It seems to be Brennan. That she tries to rationalize with him. Like, right. okay, you're you're trying to save your son. If you die here tonight, it's not going to save him. You have to be willing to adapt to the situation. Yeah. So He uh, thinks about it. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, he does put the gun down, but yeah, says he- to them, like, listen, like... You just took away the best chance for my son to live, and I hate you. <laughs> effectively, yeah, he stood it down was not pretty good. quickly. Though he stood down pretty quickly, so. he stood down very quickly, and I think that that was because although he does have Booth's personality, and when it comes to his son, hmm. I think he's very rational. Yes, he is a scientist after all. Yeah, all <laughs> this right. next scene is so great. So yeah, we have you- our we have our secondary storyline with Pickering interviewing a bunch of people, <laughs> and now Goodman is her point of attack. Oh, what happens? 
Oh, back at the Jeffersonian, Goodman's being interviewed by the security. I just, I didn't know her name through the whole thing while I was taking notes. So I just called her the security lady. <laughs> That's fine. It works. So he's being interviewed by this woman and she's uh, being pressed about, like she's pressing him about this ex-girlfriend of his that he still has contact with, who's apparently an environmental activist. And she's like very anti-government, blah, 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 climate change, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Goodman basically says, listen, I'm married. I'm not cheating on my wife. Yeah, she's one of my exes, but we basically just, we like to talk. We keep in touch. We argue. We have debates. We have a good time. Like she's, she's very intelligent and I appreciate her. Yeah. Her, her kind of crazy. Like he basically says that she's, she's wacky, but he loves her for that. And he wants to just exactly. And so the security lady really has nothing to stand on in this whole thing. And she's like, she doesn't understand how you can be friends with somebody, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Especially an ex. Like she just assumes that he's having sex with her, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. He's like, like very straight out. It's like, if you're having sexual relations with this woman and he's right. like, whoa, like yeah. I am faithful to my wife. Yeah. This is someone I enjoy talking to Like, geez, lady, keep it in your pants. I know just because she's a woman doesn't mean I'm automatically having sex with her. Right. But she yeah. was concerned was that his, you know, his loyalty would be compromised if she asked him to give her any information that he would be more likely to give it to her, but it doesn't sound like it's that kind of relationship. So he just kind of, no, yeah. it just sounds like they're literally friends who like to chat about specific subjects. Yes. Done. That's not a bad thing. No. You know who isn't friends? Who? Weeks and Cullen. Oh my God. That attorney. Cullen. <sighs> Cullen, Cullen is the worst. <laughs> Why is Cullen the worst? He's just so rude. Well, like, he hates very... the attorney. He hates him. Yeah. Okay. Well, basically this next scene, we end up with Cullen in a room mm-hmm. with this U.S. attorney Weeks. The guy who is neither gay nor missing an ear. <laughs> and Decker's there and Booth and Brennan are there. And Colin is basically saying to Decker, like, listen, you just like, why I should charge you with attempted murder. What the heck is going on? Like, what, what did you think? What, what went through your head to think that that was a good idea? Right. To go and um, point a gun at the CEO of KBC Systems. And Colin, and not Colin, and uh, Decker explains to them, like, listen, like, you're not hearing me. Like, KBC Systems hired people to kill my wife and and to kidnap my child. Like, think about the situation. What what was I supposed to do? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so Colin basically says, listen, Decker, no, there's no evidence at all right now at this point that the KBC Systems has anything to do with this kidnapping. And um, they're still trying to get Decker to testify. And Decker's like, basically, the only way I'm going to testify is if Booth shows up with his kid. If Booth can find his kid and rescue him, then he will testify, basically. So then Booth asks Decker... Uh, what sort of code word can he give to Hurdy Gurdy or Donovan? What he can give to the kid so that he knows that his father sent him. So this is hilarious. So then uh, Decker says, use the word paladin, which I have absolute faith you wrote down what paladin is. 
because Cullen um, then explained it to the audience what paladin is. Defender of the faith, protector. I have never heard of this word before ever. Mm. I don't have like an amazing, I would say like my vocabulary is like average. I don't have like an incredible vocabulary, but I don't know if I've ever heard of this word before. That's so I'm very grateful that apparently Colin is a walking dictionary and very specifically is like paladin, defender of the faith, protector. This suits you, Booth. Like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Good thing this eight-year-old is going to know what that word means. I guess. And then what is it? Uh, Brennan? Is this when Brennan says, uh, geez, geez, you tough guys really are very sentimental, aren't you? Yes, she does. <laughs> apparently paladin is... Uh, it's from the 8th century. It has to do, I was just looking it up. They're fictional knights of legend from Charlemagne's court from the 8th century. So it's it's very oh. old, old literature, you know, like King Arthur type stuff. Well, King Arthur was later, I guess. He was sort of um, Middle Ages, but uh, this is even before King Arthur. So it's an old story from Charlemagne. And uh, I don't know the whole thing, but I'm, I'm curious about that stuff. I love these kind of historical fiction opportunities. Yeah, that's so interesting, actually. It is very Well, cool. I learned something new today. There you go. So back at the lab, what's happening? Hodgins has some results on the earwax that he mm-hmm. was running particulates on. Mm-hmm. He actually did find some information um, that was somewhat helpful. Brennan makes a joke. Well, he makes a joke because Brennan asks, and where does one find weeping love, which is the name of the pollen that they found. Mm-hmm in the earwax and Hodgins is like weeping love is found worldwide <laughs> but weeping love grass that's in the south he's like oh I'm so funny that's in South Africa good one yeah, for sure so he says this this particular pollen's from South Africa so I just want to mention during this exchange between Brennan and Hodgins our lovely friend the security lady Agent Pickering interrupts this discussion and is again interesting that Brennan it be interviewed by her and I wrote in my notes does this woman not realize that there is a child that has been abducted and they have to yeah. find him like, like could can, they not she could wait 24 to 48 hours she can wait for her little yeah. interview okay like seriously man it's so bad that's one of the reasons they they can't stand her i'm sure like she keeps interrupting their work oh for sure but they give her attitude so she deserves it i guess but and then yeah so pickering keeps interrupting hodgins is saying okay the weeping love grass which is found in south africa which for some reason i just wrote south down that's not helpful i just said the south (sighs) baby brain okay that's three um (laughs) i get two more and they also found automotive grade asbestos and apparently the guy didn't have very good oral hygiene but that's beside the point um so basically that the earwax actually does kind of help them figure out where he may have um where this guy's from they know it's a south african hitman basically which Apparently there's these South African security consultants that companies hire to do their dirty work. Mm-hmm. So Booth is kind of filling them in on the, that possibility. He's at his office. They're on the phone. Mm-hmm. While they're talking, Booth receives a package with, um, there's a little 
like small jewelry box, I guess, with a piece of cardboard on top of it that says back off. Mm-hmm. And inside this jewelry box, I'm going to call it, is a finger. Da, da, da. Da, da, da. A very small finger. And Booth jumps to conclusions immediately and says, somebody sent me Donovan Decker's finger. He hangs up and heads straight to the lab. Yes. So. Yeah. So Booth's kind of. This is where we reach the sort of zenith, zenith of Booth's anxiety around this situation. So they're back at the lab. Um, Booth and Brennan. um, Like Booth is freaking out. He's having like a freak out. And Brennan's like, okay, you're really worked up. Like what's going on here? And so Booth's just saying, listen, like, this is like really dangerous. And he, he wants to know basically what it comes down to is they have this small exchange about how he has this idea that Brennan maybe doesn't feel as strongly about this situation as he does. And she's like, wait a minute, like, first, first of all, you're really worked up. And she understands why he's worked up, but she's like, it doesn't mean I don't care about this situation. I just try to be professional and focus on what's in front of me, basically, which is this finger. I can't attach a person to this finger. I got to focus on the evidence. It's on this finger to help us, you know, so he's trying to, and so then he, she, by telling her him this, that she does care and it's okay. I'm going to help you. Like she, she calms him down a little bit. Right. And, um, I think so. Um, he doesn't like apologize or anything he He does calm down enough to be like you know what okay grab the squid squad they made us a mistake by sending this his finger we have some information other information that we can use with it Mm -hmm. let's figure out let's use this finger to catch the killer right and figure out where it was cut yeah whether like, he was alive when it was cut off, because they can determine yeah. that based on the blood uh, flow and clots and stuff like that. Yeah, which I think that they figure out, okay, yeah, he is, he was still alive, his heart was still beating when the finger was cut off, so that's positive. So if we can keep working with every bit of information we have, then we could save this, this kid. Right. I don't know if he was all worked up. So he took the opportunity to call Parker or Parker happened to call him at this time. But the very beginning of the next scene, which appears to happen immediately after the scene we just saw, he's on the phone with Parker talking about how he kicked a ball. Um, And apparently he hasn't shown him how to kick a ball. I don't know. What time of day is he talking to his kid? Did he call his kid? Did his kid call him? Like, it's a very, like, okay, we get it. Yeah. He's a dad. Okay. He's upset. Like, you don't have to, like, yeah. with this crap. I understand he's worried about, you know, he's he's uh, personalizing this whole case way too much. And then you add this conversation about stopping talking to this dumb kid about kicking a ball. And then, of course, he's talking and then Zach or somebody runs up to him with more information. Uh, I think it was Zach. Zach. He's like, okay, bye, Parker. I gotta go. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta go. This is uh, this is really important. Yeah, and then he just hangs up, but it's fine because then we move the scene forward and we find out that the finger was severed using a, a hatchet on a wooden surface. Right. What's which that? Booth speculates would be a cutting board, but Zach is like, no, it's unsealed pine. It would be older, maybe like a workbench in a mechanic shop. Yes. Um... 
There's lead and methyl tertiary butyl on the bone, apparently. I don't know. Anyway, right. that's fine. That was some, evidence some, on the finger, right? Yeah. Um, so they're, they're thinking from all this information that maybe they're looking for an old gas station, mm-hmm. um, an abandoned gas station or mechanic shop. Right. And so they go to work. Um, I just think it's hilarious because Booth starts this by being like, you know, you guys are geniuses. This is awesome. You've got me all this great information. Yeah. And then Zach is like, well, how do we find an abandoned gas station or mechanic shop? And Booth is like, I work for the FBI, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like literally go, they go from genius to idiot in three seconds. Well, wow. just points that out. Right. Which is funny, I guess. I guess I thought it was hilarious. It was based on the lead or something like when lead was last used, like they they narrow it down based on the different chemicals that are additive to exactly. So it's kind of cool. I like how they break that down. It's very interesting and kind of logical. Yeah. So what's the, uh, what do we find? Oh, next. Brennan is being interviewed by Pickering. Go, go with this one. This one's good. Oh boy. This is great. Brennan puts okay, this you, lady in her place. Why did she, why talking. she should have just started with, with Brennan. You keep talking. So, I'll be right back. I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, no problem. So basically, um, Pickering is interviewing Brennan, as Kelly said, and she's asking her very specific questions. Uh, what were you doing in Cuba? Uh, Brennan is not giving her a straight answer. She's asking her questions back, like, what's your security clearance? Um, why don't you figure out what I was doing in Cuba? And Pickering ultimately eventually asks her about a meeting that she had, that Brennan had with a man named Juan Guzman. Brennan is shocked. <sighs> she immediately... While giving her a finger like one second. Like, <laughs> just wait. Picks up the phone, one dials moment, a number please. from the top of her head. Pardon? One moment, please. <laughs> like one moment. Dials a number off the top of her head. I have no idea what's being said on the other end. But Brennan says, You told me to call if anyone asks about, you know, him. Yes. And says, like, yeah, someone from the State Department's asking. Um, and ultimately, whoever it is on the other side of the phone suddenly wants to talk to this Samantha Pickering lady. Mm-hmm. Um, so she talks to her. So she gives her the phone. Pickering talks to this person. She looks scared, crapless. Then says, okay, yeah, I'll just, I'll just wait here. Everything's fine. Sits there, closes her notebook. Brennan's like, do you have any other questions? And Pickering, Pickering is like, uh, no, actually, uh, the entire review is now suspended. <laughs> I'm supposed to wait here until someone can come and destroy my notes. <laughs> like, basically just wasted her whole time. This poor woman's still sitting there. Booth comes in, says we might have a kid. Brennan jumps to leave. Yeah. This lady's still sitting there. I know, just in her waiting. office. And I was like, what if I picked up the phone in that situation and just called Greg and said, okay, if I call you, you pretend yeah. you're from the government and talk to this lady and say, cease and desist. 
someone will come and destroy your notes. And then all Greg would have to do is show up in a suit and some dark orange glasses or whatever. I was thinking the same thing. And like, I'm so-and-so from this security blah, 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 badge, take your notes and leave. Like, it would be so funny. But I mean, obviously that's not the point of the scene. I just think it's really funny that it could be anybody on the phone. <laughs> Literally could be anyone. Exactly. And somehow she's like, oh, okay, sorry. That's funny. Like, who authorized this review to begin with? Uh, yeah, and this poor woman has been treated like shit for days, also interrupting during a very intense case. And um, I don't know, man. <laughs> this was a weird, like, secondary storyline. <laughs> I agree. it didn't really seem to have much purpose. No, the B-plot was even worse than the one where Zach and Hodgins were trying to sleep with the delivery girl. I forgot about that. Then she ends up choosing Angela. Spoiler alert. (laughs) All right. What happened? So they're, uh, yeah. We're back in his car. Yeah. Booth gets Brennan. They get in the car. They're driving. They're driving. And basically they narrowed it down to this one rural garage. And Booth basically gives Brennan the logic behind their decision to go to this place. And he explains like where they're going and stuff. And she's like, why would you figure that? And, da, da, da. and he's like, well, quite frankly, like I used to do this kind of work. Like I used to be yeah. in situations and I was the one doing the kidnapping and torturing basically. And this is the place that I would have chosen. Exactly. So Brennan yeah. again, <laughs> very uh, taken aback by these details that, you know, Booth is a killer. <laughs> by the fact that Oh, yeah, he was a sniper. I forgot. <laughs> she also asks an excellent question, though. All of her, her words are not all bad. She asked the question, why don't we ever take my car? Yes. <laughs> Which I'm obsessed with, in case you couldn't tell. I know, you're obsessed with uh, the car, but he has a so, great answer. He does. Apparently, she doesn't have bulletproof vests in her car, but <laughs> he does. So they need that. Which brings us to the second last scene. Yes. Oh, this scene was intense. Okay. This was like, we only have two action scenes, right? In this whole episode. The first one was when they encountered the U.S. Marshals and they had that little scuff, little, whatever that's called, little scuff. Yeah. Little fight. And then uh, this scene is really intense. And Brennan, I felt, in this particular scene was very out of place um, because yes. a booth gets out of the car. He's got his FBI vest on. He's talking to the what's HRT. Did you look that up? No, you didn't. No, but they, was, they, they were talking to the SWAT. But HRT uh, tactical. Let me look it up because I want to know what HRT is. It is hostage rescue team. Okay, there you Makes go. Makes sense. Because okay. he said SWAT team earlier, but now it's an HRT. Because I was looking at there, so what's HRT? But okay, makes sense now. So okay. he's basically giving instructions to the guy, the lead uh, guy who's going to bring the guns in. And there's like a lot of guys, like mm, probably like a dozen, right? Um, yeah. So Booth wants them to focus on the kidnappers, and he's going to focus on getting the boy because. That's basically what their job is. It was super because he has his word as well. And he's the only one who can say paladin. He's the only one. 
So, yeah, they head into this old garage and this big shootout happens. And Booth, of course, being a sniper, basically is able to, no problem, like, take these guys down. And it said there were three men in there. Were there more than three? I... I don't know. It seemed like there were more than three, but there may have only been three. It's a lot of shooting for three people. And there was a lot of shooting. Like, it was so much shooting. Mark also made the point, because he watched this episode with me, oh, and nice. plays Call of Duty, yes. that the gunshot sounds were those of silenced weapons, but the guns that they used weren't silenced. Okay. Like there weren't silencers on the guns, but okay, they would have sounded differently. I I don't know from guns. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know nothing, but I was like, that's very interesting. Thank you for sharing, and I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, why would you have a silencer? I can see the kidnappers having silencers. I guess. Yeah, maybe. But during this whole melee. And it was very violent, considering that this is like a primetime show and stuff. Like, I was thinking about how... Yeah. It was very... There's a lot like, of blood. What? There's a lot of blood and guts and death. There was blood, right? Yeah. Huh. Which, I guess that's fine. But, like, the fact that they just basically take these guys out. I don't see a guy that was missing an ear. No, but the kid was there. Like Booth could hear him whimpering in the corner. And yeah. so Booth ran over to him. And I just have to say, like, as Booth is rescuing the kid and the kid's telling Booth to go away and leave him alone, Booth says, it's okay, I'm here. Paladin, Palanese is the word, Paladin. And then he's like, oh, thank God, like, he's safe. I have to say, these kids they get for this show are so good. I just Oh, yeah, he was a super talented actor kid was adorable i think he goes on he that is a famous child actor i think i'm just about to look that up actually because i was really curious about uh who this kid was I, i'm pretty sure i've seen him before okay. um now i'm curious for decker decker ja jake cherry jake cherry there he is Born in 96. And Night at the Museum. That's what he's been in. Okay. Sorcerer's Apprentice. He's Nick from Night at the Museum. Yeah, he's had quite a little career. Hey? Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. I so thought so. At this little he's actor. a good actor. Listen, remember the kid from um, that awful, awful, the one who was in the mall, the. Yeah, uh, where he, where it was the, the neighbor, I think father his father was, yeah, yeah, the father and the father was the, the next door neighbor. Yeah. Doing something with the kids. Anyway, that little yeah. blonde kid, remember him? He was amazing too. He was anyway, great too. You're right. Yeah, I, thought, I think all the kids are really good in this. Except maybe Parker. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> what, I know. <laughs> what I, I thought was interesting though about this is yes. he just says paladin. Like he doesn't say your father sent me. Yeah. He doesn't say anything like that. He just says, I'm not gonna hurt you. Paladin, 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 paladin. Like, come on, come with me. Anyway, uh, so he rescues the kid. He runs out of the building with the kid in his arms, and Brennan is watching all this happen. 
And um, while the kid's getting patched up, were we at that part yet? Yeah. So yeah, we're on the last scene. Yeah, so the kid's getting patched up by the emergency people. And Carl Decker, his father, shows up in uh, a squad car of some kind. And he starts crying because he's so relieved that his son's there. And his son's like, what's, is my dad crying? And he's like, yes, he's very happy to see you, that you're alive and everything. And um, this kid, this kid, I love this kid so much. <laughs> he's so cute. He does oh, such a good job. He does a great job. Very emotional for like, he totally stole the whole episode by being like really effective. He did. Conveying emotions. He was amazing. So yeah, Carl runs over, they hug. And then as you said before, at the beginning of this, super uh, anticlimactic, unrewarding end. Very abrupt ending. Because we don't actually find out. It's it's implied that KBC Systems that they did hire these mercenaries. Um, but it's not, it's implied that that's the case. It's implied that the father, because Booth, as promised, was there with his son, mm-hmm. that Decker will um, testify against this KBC Systems company. Right. So it's sort of, I guess, reading between the lines, KBC Systems will be charged. It's cut and dry, but it's not, it's all implied. It's not like, we don't actually see that happen. Right. So you're right. Decker basically said he would testify if Booth saved his kid. Fine. Booth absolutely hates the U.S. attorney. He says like, way to go. You're an idiot. And then, um, Brennan's like, so what happens now? What do we do now? Like, she wants to know. And she's just like me. What what goes on now? What happens? Is KBC going to do this, that, and the other? And then Booth says, oh, it's out of our hands now. We've done our job. So Yeah, we did our job. Let the grand jury decide. Oh, okay. Oh, my God, though. I, we, what Booth says to Weeks, I almost forgot. Like, you bring up telling him that he's an idiot. (laughs) Booth is literally like, I hope you're really good at your job because you have nothing going for you otherwise. Like I know, oh. wow. Little savage. Oh, <laughs> sick burn, bro. I was like laughing. He's so mean. Like, I think it's so funny the way they talk to each other sometimes. I'm just like, oh wow. yeah. Because they're mean. A little harsh. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sad that we don't get like a a denouement in the Chinese food restaurant or some kind yeah. of bar or like maybe they have dinner somewhere or they're just like sitting in the car talking about how yeah. they feel like to sort of brief debrief after such a really, really intense, like Booth was just in a shootout and this yeah. whole thing was, I was thinking about this kid. I was like, Holy shit. He's going to have to get some trauma therapy. This. Oh kid. yeah. Because are they implying that he watched them watched them electrocute his mother? Like yes, like he was. I think there? so. <gasps> oh my and he God. also lost his finger. They killed his mother in front of him, and they chopped his finger off. And his father. Like, anyway, it's that's a lot. And also, and like, it's a huge company worth billions of dollars. This is not going to be the first attempt on his life. Wow, I was just like, wow, this poor kid. <laughs> He's yeah, a lot of therapy in his future, man. Oh, At least he's God. a good actor. Yeah, thank God for that, right? So, did you like the episode overall? Did I like it? Good question. 
I don't like it when Booth is like this. I don't like it when he's anxious. He was so worried the whole time, right? Like he had that furrowed brow and he was just every scene. He was just like on edge and like really worried, right? Yeah. I didn't, it's not that I didn't like it. I just felt like, meh. Like it wasn't yeah. until that kid showed up at the end where there was an actual emotional, I felt like emotionally in, invested in the whole story. I was like, oh, there's yeah. this kid. He's so great. I, the whole security lady thing, Hodgins, all yeah. that. And Angela was kind of meh, you know? I, I feel like this show is very good for developing characters. And like they have this, they usually have a very good story. Yes. And then they're developing the characters over the course of each episode. And I feel like this episode didn't really develop. Like there wasn't a lot of character development. They just yeah. told us stuff we already knew. Well, right. Which is unfortunate because like the Pickering device, I call her the device, the security lady. That was a device for us to get to know the characters. But yeah. we didn't learn anything. Like no. really, except that Angela was married. And Goodman has an ex-girlfriend. Yeah. We already knew that Hodgins was a conspiracy theorist. We already knew that Zach has like, I don't Immaturity. know. Immaturity. Well, <laughs> he just has social. And he's a genius. Social issues, you know. He's yeah. not able to really connect with people and stuff. And we didn't learn anything about Brennan, except that she has somebody high up there who's looking out for her. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just thought like yeah. it was a lost opportunity because you said, like you said, it was a really good opportunity to, to develop character because we could have learned so much through these interviews. Even like learning more about Parker. We didn't really learn anything more about Parker. We just learned. We just know he exists. Yeah. Like we were reminded, oh yeah, a couple episodes we found out that Booth had a son to go. I just, and Right. And as an emotional device to make the stakes higher for Booth. Yeah. We didn't need that. Like that. No. All, all that crap. You know, it's just like, okay, we get it. I agree. Yeah. Anyway, what did you think? Did you like it? I liked it, but I, I think that it was a bit underwhelming. Just the way that it ended. I think I would have liked a little bit more um, closure. Yeah, I know, like that episode. Like seeing Trent get like walked out in handcuffs or something from like a courthouse even. Like if they cut to that, that would have been fine. Like a couple days later or when the grand jury testimony happens, they could like have a newspaper article or somebody would follow up, like some kind of follow up. I hear what you're saying. It's like after that really intense action scene where there's tons of violence and shooting and then you have this traumatized child and then it's like, oh well, our job's done. It's like, Okay. Yeah, our job's done. Okay, bye. <laughs> Guys, like, we need some closure here, like you said, and some debriefing after something that traumatic. Anyway. Exactly. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Squintcast. And I hope you join us next time. And everybody, have a wonderful time. Thanks again for being with us. Thanks for listening to Squintcast with me, Kelly Booth, and my and your new friend, Brittany Elsner. The Bones theme is performed by The Crystal Method. They can be found on Instagram and YouTube at The Crystal Method and at thecrystalmethod.com. Intro and outro music is by Twisterium at Pixabay. 
You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at SquintCast. Email us at squintcastpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at fab underscore empire underscore on Instagram and TikTok. Brittany can be found at Brittany81523 on Instagram. See you next time.